Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. This is episode 19. Can you believe this is episode 19? 19 weeks. We're doing one a week for now, and uh, I'm having a good time with the pace, but I, I do want to do more, and I do want to do guests on the Operator Podcast because it would be fun. And, you know, I, I get uh, some feedback that they want to hear just war stories. They want to hear uh, stuff that we've done in Iraq, Afghanistan, or Pakistan, or Ukraine, or the coast of Africa, or stuff like that. And I, as much as, as much as I'd like to tell nothing but stories, eventually I'm going to run out because not every not every story is a good story. I mean, sometimes we just went out and realized, uh, um, you know, every single night when we went to combat, we realized the humanity of things. I always bring up the humanity because war is not a game. War is real from every aspect, um, from the people going to war, the families that send people to war, the houses that the warriors go into, the villages and communities warriors go into and the people that are affected there um there, there's different aspects from d- different angle and i i would i want to start in, i want to start interviewing other people too there's a lot of people that i know that have great stories not just war not just um people in combat but uh operators that's I, i've said it before you'll hear me say it again you're gonna hear the same story from me too because i i actually have been a public speaker for over 10 years now and sometimes i forget which stories i've told so if you hear me telling the same story again, um, just you know, bear with me. Check it to see if I'm consistent. That's that's something you'll notice about my stories, though. They're very consistent. I don't. If if you keep the truth, if you keep telling the truth, you don't need to remember a lie. That's how easy it is. So uh, if I do like, and I'm not just talking about uh, you know big missions or the Bin Laden raid, or the Captain Phillips raid, or when we're on the mountain to get Marcus Latrell. I'm talking about like stupid jokes when I tell a dumb joke. Uh, chances are I didn't write it. I, I took it from somebody else, and I always try to give credit to people when I tell jokes or when I quote something. Uh, but if you hear it twice, just pretend that you haven't to laugh at it and tell a friend, wow, this is a fun podcast. The Operator Podcast is a fun po- podcast because, uh, like I have mentioned before, I used to be an operator in Naval Special Warfare, but now I'm an operator in life, and so are you. Whatever you're doing right now as you're listening to this. I had someone say that you need to speak louder, Rob, because I listen to your podcast in the gym and I can't hear you. You need to turn it up. And I'm like, possibly, or maybe you need to turn it up. <laughs> maybe maybe you need to invest in some good headphones that are noise-canceling. 
I love those. I love those noise canceling headphones. I got a pair of the AirPod Max, and um, I was getting a ride from an event yesterday. Not realizing you can talk in those. You can make phone calls. I mentioned last week with the people in the airport who are annoying. Uh, chalk one more up to the annoying passenger that you must have in the back seat because I was getting a ride from a a company and there was a, a wonderful woman driving me and I, I've driven with her many times. Completely courteous. Doesn't even ask. Uh, what kind of music you want because she's assuming silence and I'm back there like a jackass just finished like a five hour event I'm getting a ride and I'm on my uh, my headphones I'm talking about something finally I probably called my dad my dad and I talk um, every single day Tom O'Neill my father and I talk pretty much every day about nonsense about operating about he is an operator me as an operator you as an operator and uh, she finally turned the lights on and, and said are you okay and I, I realized I'm I'm the guy screaming and not we're not at an airport right now I'm in the back seat so um, but the, the point I was saying is I used to be an operator but now I'm still operating um, doing other stuff right now with uh, entrepreneurship and that's something that's fun to get into like when you get out of the military especially and you you decide to be an entrepreneur, you don't really realize what what comes into that. Like I, I have an apparel company, RJO Apparel, and we sell all kinds of fun stuff. And I have stuff that I think will be hilarious. Um, I have my mug sitting here with my coffee in it that we invented during the pandemic, where we're all on Zoom calls, and it says "You're on mute." Pretty cool cup, because you know when someone will be yapping and talking or whatever, and you don't real he doesn't realize he's on mute for a while, and people are yelling, "You're on mute! You're on mute!" But no one knows when well, we have that, but. Uh, it's you know there's there's overhead stuff like that it's it you don't just ju- you know when I first got out of the military I thought that I would just sell sunglasses and I'll become a millionaire or or I'd become a billionaire sorry that's a big one you'll hear especially with military guys yeah I I, I just got out and I'm transitioning and I'm talking to this billionaire well you're not because he's not a billionaire and uh, and uh, I you know I learned that not everyone's a billionaire there's a lot that goes into entrepreneurship and uh, don't ever give people stuff for free like a lot of people will say yeah i'm gonna fly you up to detroit and you can hang out at the athletic club and then you know we'll we'll pay for dinner and everything and then you tell them your story and then you'll never hear from them again because you just gave it to them for free but that's operating a little bit entrepreneurship the hot sauce we just came out with the new hot sauce the um we got it on amazon you can find it on my social media the the first one we had rob o'neill's top secret hot sauce we invented in uh, i went down and met some chefs in kansas city and uh, Kansas City, Kansas, though, not Missouri. Kansas City, Kansas, there is that. And uh, the first batch was really good. We were selling quite a bit of it. We we are sold out of that right now, but that was just blasting the O-rings out of people. Hotter than shit, delicious, but really, really hot. Uh, my wife loved it, but she, she liked to mix it with stuff, like mix it with mayo for like hot mayo for French fries, which if you think we're girls, whatever, that's delicious. And if you've never had mayo and ketchup on French fries together, like that magic mix, I don't know what you're talking about. But we came up with a new one. Uh, I put it on my social media yesterday. It's, a, it's the civilian version. It's actually really good. Same flavor. Still got some good bite, but you can. this is one you can put more of it on your eggs as opposed to accidentally dipping a corner of your toast into it. And then next thing you know, your mouth is en fuego, if you will. But that's because um, um, I say sandwich. I, I was a big believer in, especially at breakfast, Your bre- you know, if you're eating a breakfast, you should be able to make mini sandwiches out of everything. If you're having an omelet and you have toast, even if you're a keto, they make they, some of the keto bread's actually better than uh, human bread. But I, I like to put um, cut the eggs up, put bacon on it, maybe some extra cheese. I don't know, and dip it in something. Man, you get a little mini Sammy; those are good to go. So uh, yeah, so the the hot sauce, the apparel, the beer company, Armed Forces Brewing Company. That's that's good. We're trying to 
trying to build up there. We that's a um, a theme beer after the military, Armed Forces Brewing Company. If you didn't guess, um, and we have like one of my favorites was uh, Special Hops, which is an IPA. I like IPA, and then um, Preamble, which is based on um, the founding of this country. Because I guarantee, when those brilliant people were writing the Constitution and whatnot, they had some ale. Uh, we have cat shot based off of carriers. The the cat shots would shoot the carriers off, and there are people behind the scenes doing. It's not just Maverick out there saving the planet. There are, are brave people on an aircraft carrier making that role. Uh, Jarhead beer because that's a name for uh, Marines. Don't tell them I said that. But Jarhead, and then we got Soldier beer stuff like that. So that's kind of fun. And and then whatever um whatever you're doing to operate. Is uh, being an operator. So that's, that's the operator podcast. The, the the woman driving me around, listening to me scream at my father on my phone is is an operator. So th- that's the whole point of this. Is you're not going to always get the same. Uh, uh, you're not going to always get war stories. I'm going to run out eventually, unless you want to rehear it. That's fine. I can tell the same stories. You might hear the same jokes. We were at the event yesterday, and this joke. I don't. I think I got it from a buddy's wife in uh, Nashville. She said uh, she can always out joke me. She said, "What's worse than ants in your pants?" uncles that's true so i'd love to know what you're doing as operators and tell me what you want to hear you know follow it up the uh the operator podcast on instagram we're trying to grow that because at makuya although i have a pretty big following i have been my account has been bis- disabled for something that i said before i, I they never gave me i actually uh they, there's a there's a point they, they say it every day where you, your account has been disabled even though they'll say there's new ways to make funds on instagram and you i just poke the bear to see what happens it says your account has been disabled you can put in an inquiry and i do that it says it's been disabled this is like final decision like it, like i'm on how to be a millionaire but um so I, I can't do a lot of stuff on there but on the operator podcast do do comment and tell, tell me what you want to hear if you want to hear certain stories and I'll, I'll get into stuff too like i said like right now i'm talking i i have uh I have a point what I'm going to say, but I, I rarely follow my notes because I don't want to. I mean, I will read to you if I, because you know, a lot of times I'm not smart enough to remember stuff, and I try to be as precise as I can. And if I go off on tangents, I might say something that's not correct, not 100% correct. Um, but you know, that's how we're going to go. But I, I'm going to need to talk about current events, stuff that I'm up to, uh, certain shenanigans. People have said they want to hear stuff that I've been into before, before the wars, even during the wars that have been fun. Training trips, lessons learned, and yes, tactics. I, I, I don't want to touch too much on tactics per se because um, I don't like getting told by people on the internet that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, because uh, you know that that happened a few few um, a few weeks ago, I think, when I mentioned shotguns because I still love them. Whatever, but I was told that I'm I'm a big pussy and I've obviously never been to war because I like shotguns, which I, I like I like them. There's there's one within reach. Uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, and if you're not watching me on YouTube, if you're just listening, there's five within reach. Um, but also, uh, I'll talk about shit that I get into because um, there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet as far as mm, there's really good people giving solid advice on day to day. Like, there's a dude I follow that gives advice on how to warm up your body before you um, start your day. A lot of good hip stuff, lower back stuff. And then there's the nutrition guys that really know their shit too. I'm not, I'm not making fun of anyone. If, if you're a solid nutrition guy, man, that's great. And that, that discipline that comes with it, that's, that's kick ass. And there's people out there that do that. Um, I, you know, working out there are guys a lot better than me that can do stuff. Have you ever seen Ray Cash Care? Like that dude, like I think he goes to sleep doing pushups. So if you don't follow Ray Cash Care, he's a solid dude. And he, you know, he'll teach you how to work out. Great guy. 
Um, and like McTeams, I'll talk about him later today. He's in the pool swimming and all that shit and talking about totally 80s because he's, he's, he's like an old dude, Navy SEAL photographer. But I talk about some of my stuff that I do. I recently bought, um, it's called an inversion table. And if you haven't ever seen one of these, an inversion table is, a, it's well, as you're ordering one for yourself on paper, this thing looks simple to assemble because there's a picture of it and it's a table that's on a pendulum and you're going to build, and it's, it actually advertises, this shouldn't be a problem, only it's already 85% of the way assembled, which looks great. And, and when you figure ordering on the internet, I'm a smart guy, I know how to do this. So we, I got mine up here, and, and all it should be is like a base, and then there's a table, like a, a long table that you lay on, and there's a bar behind you, and it's on a pendulum, and supposedly what you do is you, as you start to lean back or start to move your, your arms up higher, the weight disperses itself, and then it leans you back. You're, now, your, your feet, are you lock them in this padded, um, the, like it's like a pair of foot cuffs almost, but it's padded. It's not like you're getting arrested. Not like you're in handcuffs for real. Those are more stories, too, that I'll tell later. I've been in handcuffs. In defense of law enforcement, every time I've been arrested, I deserved it. It wasn't on the cops. It was not pr- police brutality. Back to blue. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you put you put your hands, your feet. <laughs> don't put your hands there. That'll probably be next week's story because I fucked up and did that. You put your feet in this thing. Start leaning your hands back and and ideally, you slowly go back because you're adjusting everything for your height and all that shit because you want to have a, a good center of balance. And the further you go back, you can you go you can go as Maverick did. You can go inverted. And what that does is now because you're hanging from these nice padded foot cuffs. It, it has, you're, you don't need to use anything for resistance. You don't need to hold yourself up with your ankles or your toes. So everything from your toes to your hair will stretch out the opposite way that um, you have been doing it for your entire life. Like for 46 years for me or 66 years for McTeams, whatever, however old he is, I forgot. But uh, um, you, that's how it's supposed to happen. So I brought mine upstairs and I assembled it myself. And it says again in the instructions that uh, it should. It says on there, and you know how the instructions are. You're supposed to lay everything out, and you you have a full head count of all of your gear and put it together. And it actually says, I think tauntingly, this should only take you forty minutes to assemble. And that's a lie. That's a bold face lie. I was up there cursing at it. Uh, I I had to get my wife up there to help me hold these things down. They, I think they purposely make nuts and bolts that are just don't reach each other. So you got to squeeze five parts together, whatever they. And they don't, they're, they're a little ambiguous with the way they tell you to do it. You're, you're, they, I think they want you to get your first workout just putting this fucking thing together. So I did, I put it together. Um, and then once you finish in, uh, put it together, make sure you have your proper height and weight because there's a few more things that are very important. And you want to make sure those are important the first time that you do it because the first time I did it, and it, when you do it, have what we call with you in the SEAL teams a swim buddy. Because, you know, in SEAL training, we never went anywhere alone. Have a swim buddy, or in this case, a spotter. Because I'm in there. I'm excited. See, Jess hasn't been with, there with me the whole time. She came up for the, the difficult parts to help me put the puzzle together. But then I said, hey, I really would like you in here uh, just, just when, I, uh, when I get on this thing. So I'm getting on the thing, and uh, I'm lucky I had her because it went from um, – a nice slowly leaning back and it turned into something that I can only call extreme 
extremely fast, violent chaos because I went from ass over tea kettle, feet straight up above my head, and I, I banged against the side. And um, I, like, I haven't spun around that fast since a helicopter crash. Like, this shit is legit. When I went back on the, it's supposed to relax your lower back. I haven't felt something like this since uh, I got on a ride called the Zipper that was put together by a drug-fueled carny behind the Butte Plaza Mall at the Butte Carnival. I'm at, but at least the thing with the zipper is uh, there's a, like a safety lanyard and at least someone on meth to help you if they so desire. So this zip back. And it, it sat, I mean, it must have at first sounded like, like a, a set of work boots in a dryer, except a lot faster with obviously more violence. Um, and and uh, so th- then I look up at Jess, and and that's when I when I saw her. Uh, the only way I can describe my beautiful wife is a look of pure panic. And she's up there. I don't know what to. So I'm laying upside down like an asshole, yelling at Jess, "Help! You got to get me out of this mess." Because you know I'm trying to. I I this is my first time on. A, it's been years since I've done an inversion table. And you're ideally calmly supposed to bring your hand straight forward, and it's going to bring you up. This shit ain't working. I didn't hook the lanyard up, so I'm I'm not just upside down. I'm a little bit more upside down, so I should be getting a, a pretty good stretch. But it's not like a good stretch. It, I'm getting stretched almost like if I was the bottom end of a wishbone on Thanksgiving, where I'm getting basically ripped in half. And she said, well, what do I do? And I said, see my feet next to your head? Yes. Get my head up there. So we're, we're rolling that we're rolling that up. We figured it out. We finally got up there. And I was just lucky that I tried it first because if my wife was by herself or, God forbid, I was out of the room when she tried some shit like that, it wouldn't have been. Like, the bright side would have been a cheap divorce. It would have been more of a shotgun funeral. So, like, this is... I've been alive a long time and I've done some dumb shit and I keep a list of the 40 dumbest things I've ever done in my life and this just took over at number one and I'm talking like making a bad decision to walk over a minefield number one for 40 years 35 plus years was when my brother Tom O'Neill and I decided it might be a good idea to get a few uh big lawn and leaf trash bags like glad bags and get on top of John of um Josh James's garage and jump off like parachutes and i think we were in you know we're 10 and something else so that was a bad idea and that's been the the number one thing of list of dumb shit that i've done over the past years but yeah number one is is um yeah the inversion table without a spotter not realizing what could happen so here we are again on the World Wide Web. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of pop-ups and ads everywhere I go, wondering which government agency or whatever's looking what I'm looking at. So I use ExpressVPN. Uh, VPN is a virtual private network, and I know what you're thinking. Why don't you just go to incognito mode? It doesn't matter which mode you use. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you visited, regardless of whether or not you delete your browsing history. That's why I, even when I'm at home, I, use, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your provider cannot see what you're doing. It also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize that I have it on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is touch a button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV, so there's no reason not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one 
by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash the operator, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash the operator. Expressvpn.com slash the operator to learn more. Yeah, so um, inversion table, scary at first, but totally worth every penny. The, um, I use it now. I, I have the the timing down. I w- I'm actually comfortable enough to use it without a spotter because we have. I have put some safety stuff in the room <laughs> to include a pump action shotgun. Um, but it's that's probably one of the best in- investments I've ever made, simply because um, w- when you're, I mean, in life. And you listening to me right now know this. You get little bumps and bruises, little owies, and uh, I, I've got a pretty, uh, I've got a, I got a couple herniated discs. A lot of people have that stuff. Like I said, you don't, you know, you don't need to have been in combat. Look at, look at the dude who's been working construction his whole life. That's a serious operator right there. That's some serious shit. You might have some bad backs, bending over, sitting in a fucking chair for forever. <laughs> you could have. That's you're, we're not supposed to sit. I used to make fun of people overseas that would squat to poo. Or squat to hang out, and they weren't sitting in chairs. But I'm, I'm talking Afghanistan, so a lot of shit's different there. But I started to wonder. I wonder if they're right because, like, it's just squatting around talking about you know last Thursday's man dance. That's as weird as a man dance is, and I'm not getting into that right now. Um, but uh, squatting around like that, and just talking to your buddies, sitting crisscross applesauce at kindergarten—that's that's good for your hips, man. You don't realize that, but you know all the skydiving, all the falling, and not just like free falling i'm talking i would i can fall i still fall it sucks um everything that you've done especially you know in the military those friggin boats all the stuff that looks cool on the recruiting commercial but it's not cool like like the boat guys my god they're back the guys my age that were that were driving the boats the special boat teams they were used to be special boat units now they're special boat teams which is cool teams man why not um Bad backs there. Um, it, it, what I'm getting at, because I go off on tangents. If, if you do have back problems, any actually any kind of problems, um, like tight hip flexor stuff like that. This inversion table, man. Check one out. I'm not saying you need to go buy one necessarily, but um, you find a gym if you have a gym that has one. Get on that bad boy. And you know, I, I'm assuming you don't want to stay upside down for too long of a time because something with gravity in the blood to your head. I'm sure I found out trying to do headstands as a young kid that um, stand upside down too long, it'll black you out so you fall down. This one, you you are in in, in um, foot cuffs. So uh, God be with you. Um, what else? So uh, I'm talking about operating around the country. I, I do, like I said, I've been speaking for a number of years, which brings me to a lot of different places. I, um, I get to talk to lots of people personally every week, which is good because... I think it gives me a frame of reference of what what people are really thinking, because if you can believe this, the media is full of shit. And they're not telling; they're telling you what they want you to hear. There's a big agenda, and that'll be more and more podcasts down the way. But uh, getting out and seeing people, seeing the the woman who was driving the car for me yesterday, talking to different people at different conventions or, or different law enforcement around the country, it's nice to get a pulse because the the scientific poll that's out there is not necessarily real if you can believe that and there's stuff going on but people are generally good and i like that and i mean both sides of the aisle like there's a difference between the gun guy on the internet who's yelling at me about my tactics and my shotgun as opposed to the gun guy i run into at the range or i haven't been to shot show yet but i'm assuming i would get along with everyone there different there's different people in person the internet's not real and you'll see videos of that 
of uh, a louder with Crowder, he ran into a guy that was just wanted a piece of him for so long. Finally, ran into him in person because he went looking for him, and all the piece was he threw a beer at him and ran away, which is but but um, I get to run into people in my escapades and and kind of find out what like a lot of the stuff that I, I I'm a big believer that. Shouting someone down or silencing them is not the way to learn anything. You, you should be able to sit with someone and talk to them and hope they have a differing view than you do, a different point of view than you do, because you might learn something or you might be able to have a dialogue. And that's, that's what I found. Uh, it's, it's, if, 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 if you're sitting around with a group of people and all, they're do is, all they do is tell you exactly what you want to hear, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And that's why, believe it or not, a lot of these celebrities that are out there that are saying that are telling you the effects of carbon on the environment and climate change and you can't do this, but they fly in a private jet, it's not... Be- I mean, there is a thumb in your eye and a finger in your face out of that, but it's also because they've never been told no. Think about a lot of these celebrities that have been famous forever. Um, no one's ever told them no. They surround them and tell them, yeah, you got to be right. You're definitely right. Yes, and they'll just kiss their asses, tell them what they want to hear because they want to be close to the flame. They want to be close to the cloth. They want to touch the cloth, and that's the case. Um, I mean, Elton John, he, he got off Twitter um, because he's just a believer that Elon Musk took over Twitter and it must be bad, and now all the fascists are on there and now all the hate's on there as opposed to thinking, no, they're just not silencing everyone that differs from your point of view. And someone brought up, a, and, and Elton John, I've never met him. I'm not talking shit by any means. His music, obviously, is fucking brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. Um, it, but uh, I've never met him, but I'm assuming, because he's been famous since when? The 60s? Wow. Uh, and his songs are incredible. He's probably just a fabulous dude. Uh, but he's never been told no. Someone put out a meme that said it's kind of ironic that Elton John left Twitter because of a rocket man which I thought was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, I got to talk to people, and a lot of people feel the same way. And, and some of the shit that I bring to you, it's, it might be because I, it, you know, if I said something earlier and I changed my point of view, that could be just because I, you know, I, I talked to someone. I was like, wow, that's a better idea than the shit I was just saying. Carry on. So um, in my escapades, though, a week ago, I went to Champaign, Illinois, for an event for cops hosted by Big Mike, my buddy Big Mike. And it was just for cops. And, there, you know, we, we went out there to... Talk to cops and see cops, and uh, it was a it was a fundraiser, an auction. They're auctioning off shit for for. I think I mentioned it last week, just to you know help cops and get morale high because a lot of morale in law enforcement is shit because of the media, because of of social media, and because of politicians that uh, they'll they'll say shit not because they believe it, but because they can stay in power. And and cops have become the you know cops are now the the Vietnam vet back in the day where they're the they're the child killers. They're the you know. Whatever, they're they're the whipping boy right now, and and fortunately, unfortunately, everyone gets a chance. Everyone gets their 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 day in the bucket. But uh, when I was out there, I I just posted a picture yesterday from a week ago of me and Dog the Bounty Hunter. I got to meet Dog and talk about a fabulous guy. I used fabulous twice. Sorry, Dog. Dog's an awesome, kick-ass fucking dude. Uh, I got to meet him, and he's just you know larger than life, a TV star forever. But he does good. Like he he uh, he grabs fugitives and he. He does really good stuff and, you know, put, puts, him in the, puts him in the pokey. And I was asking him something about how he got, how he got the name Dog and how he got involved with this. And he, he told me a really cool story that when he was a young man, he, said, he, was, in the, he was in the Hells Angels um, Motorcycle Club, who we've obviously all heard of. And uh, I've met them before. They're serious dudes. 
but he did do a, a few stints in prison and not not just in prison here like he's been in Mexican prison where he broke out which is cool that's another story when I start getting episodes I'm going to try to get Dog the Bounty Hunter on he's going to be fun to talk to and talking with him just knowing him for a day um, that's going to be a few episodes he's got so many great stories and he's just he's a great storyteller wonderful guy but one of the cool stories he told me is he was <laughs> he was getting transferred from one prison where he just finished a stint to another prison where he's going to do another stint because apparently he's broken the law a couple times. And he said on the ride to from prison to prison, he um, the cop driving him said, do you want McDonald's? And Dog was like, bro, I've been in prison for a year and a half. I would love McDonald's. And he said, okay, we're going to get McDonald's and we're going to go in. And uh, you're not going to be cuffed. Don't pull any shit. And that's a kind of cool because what you see the cop doing is he's giving him a chance and uh and dog being dog he he realized okay this is a chance to have a big mac which again pound for pound i'm saying best burger there is but they they went in there he had a shit and it was obviously delicious they got back in and he said driving to the next prison the cop said you know there's something about you and if you straighten your act out you could be a star there's just something something in your presence now that cop could have been full of shit but who cares? That cop is talking to that person, talking to dog as if he's a person. And that's how, you know, when we talked about the TSA and whatnot, that's how you can treat people. If you can give yourself a second to put yourself in their shoes and realize that they're their own vessel on their own journey and they've got shit going on in their mind, in their lives that you don't know. So give them a chance. And so this cop said to, to dog, there's something special about you. And uh, that's when he decided to clean his act up. And he said... You know, he got out and he became Dog the Bounty Hunter. And he said that that changed him. But he, in his, in his career, he's a, not arrested, but I guess detained to like 10,000 people. And he said he's told that to every person he's grabbed. He's told that to- story 10,000 times to each one of those people, each one of those criminals, each one of those fugitives with the chance that maybe what I say can make a difference in their life. And maybe my talk to them will change them and they'll change someone else's life or lives in the process. And again, that's the butterfly effect. And I think that's cool. That's a pretty cool story. I definitely got to get him on here. And like I said, we are going to get guests on here on um, on the Operator Podcast. It's going to be fun to interview people because I've been interviewed before. I think I know how to do it. It's going to be hard for me because I've heard that the key to a good interview is just knowing how to shut the fuck up. And uh, I'm trying to learn that. Uh, that was the... <laughs> uh, after the Bin Laden raid, on the Bin Laden raid, one of the one of the one of the most common questions asked, even by the guys in the house, in Bin Laden's house, after we killed him, was who got him. And the most common answer was Nisro got him. And and the most common response to that answer was, ah, oh, shit, we're never going to hear the end of this. So I mentioned you may hear some of the stories once in a while. I heard a funny story the other day that said the longest drum solo in the history of the world was just over 10 hours, and that was a baby sitting behind someone on a plane from Tokyo to New York. That's kind of funny. It kind of describes the chaos that comes with being a parent. I've been to combat, I've had babies, and I've realized the difference is in combat there are rules. You've heard me mention before tactical baby gear. 
It has everything you need. It's highly practical. It looks a lot like uh, high-end military gear, highly practical, highly functional, extremely high quality. It's always ready to go, and they have everything from diaper bags, baby carriers, strollers, wagons, all the accessories in between that you might need to be an operator that happens to be a parent. And when you need to get them clean, get them fresh, get them ready to rock and roll in no time at all. There's a lifetime warranty on this. Check out Tactical Baby Gear. Tacticalbabygear.com. Check out the cool accessories, how high-end it is, the history, all that good stuff. Um, use the code THEOPERATOR for 15% off right now. That's at tacticalbabygear.com. Code THEOPERATOR. Guns, God, and diapers. So that's some of the travels. And speaking of travels um, and what's going on in the world, I would be a bit remiss if I did not mention the World Cup. Even though I never played soccer, I was never a footballer, but I love the World Cup. I've been following it. I've been mentioning it here. Uh, the World Cup, the next World Cup's in the United States, too. So if you want to come with me, I'm going to every game. And I don't mean every game for the United States. I'm going to try to go to every fucking game. But, you know, obviously I probably can't make it, but it's, it's coming here. It's going to be exciting. And uh, just yesterday, the reason I bring this up, I'm getting to a point militarily, because I know at this point someone's asking me if I was even in the military, will I talk about it? Um, Croatia played Argentina yesterday, and Argentina won 3-0. So that's kind of a beating, and I guess uh, Croatia just, I guess they seemed a little bit confused, because, um, not not confused, it just looked like they, they weren't quite into the game, and I guess, I mean, they get pretty far, that's a good that's a good soccer country, really good, I've been to Croatia, that's a story I'm going to get into, but they, they lost to Argentina, who is a, a great football team, huge football nation, soccer, for anyone else who's listening, but Croatia-Argentina, I'm going to talk a bit about them, I got to bring up Croatia first, and I was, I want Croatia to win, don't hate me, uh, for people who are for, for Argent, Argentina, um, because we went to Croatia, we meaning uh, one of my SEAL platoons. So this is before we went to war. We went to Croatia, split Croatia, which is a very, very cool spot. It was kind of un, not untouched, but a lot of people hadn't gone there because of the wars that were there the, uh, in, in, in the Balkans for, for a number of years. And uh, a lot of people hadn't gone there, but we, we went there. The, the water is gorgeous. You can We did some diving there. You can see for miles. A gorgeous place. Really good people. Great food. Great nightlife. Uh, and we're training with the Croatians, which were great dudes and militarily hardened. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. They would take us out. and they, they cooked dinner for us. We'd sit around and drink beer and drink wine and, and have their food and whatnot. But one night, we, being a platoon, at SEAL Team 2, decided to go. They asked us to go to the Croatian Cup, which was the the title game for Croatian football clubs. So we're like, yeah, we want to go. So we went to the Croatian Cup and split Croatia, and we went out shopping like you do. We bought like the, 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 the white jerseys and the scarves. I've got some pictures. I don't have them with me right now, but I'll post them this week. I've got a trip to take, but I'll go through the stuff and find them. Me and uh, Ben Milligan was there. So we might have been SEAL Team 4. We were one of the SEAL teams that I was at, SEAL Team 2 or 4, whatever. They just, like I said, we just switched. Um, it would have been easier for SEAL Team 2 and SEAL Team 4 just to switch signs instead of buildings, but SEAL, whatever. So we're over there with a SEAL platoon. Milligan was there, so it was Team 4. McBee, McTeams, he was there. And we went to the Croatian Cup. And I don't know, I don't know the teams from Adam. I don't care, but the, the people in Croatia are all excited. And we're watching this. It's a, the, the home team is playing... And this is madness. 
I'm talking people blasting off flares, smoke everywhere, and they're singing the entire time. And for me, to be in a crowd that size in a soccer stadium, listening to an entire crowd scream and sing, there's just something to be said. If you've never seen it, never witnessed, that's the only game I've ever seen, the only football game I've seen in Europe. i got to get back over there. I really want to get up and see some Premier League games. Love to see Barcelona, and I would love to see Real Madrid. Um, but that was my first and only experience. I'm going to get around to it eventually. But So we're there, and there's like – they're you know the 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 beer's flowing like wine or whatever they said in Dumb and Dumber and dudes are blasting off jays and uh, having a good time and the home team wins so that's a that's a great time uh, and then a- after the home team wins the the Croatian Cup everyone decides it's time to to storm the field storm the pitch fuck yeah we're going so it was me most of the platoon so we'll call it a uh, we'll call it a solid baker's dozen navy seals run out there with them and we kind of look like we're there we're all wearing the jerseys we all got our stuff on we, we you know no one's speaking any language cuz everyone's been drinking all day and uh, we're celebrating everyone's jumping and we're running through the field and now here's where it gets interesting there's a sign hanging on one of the side well you know you see people hang the signs along the walls uh, outside the field outside the, uh, right on the pitch and it says White boys. So we're like, well, hell, let's go grab that sign. <laughs> White boys. Why not? What could possibly go wrong? So we run over to that sign, and we're, we're just taking it down. But to the other 60,000 people who happen to be from there, they, they weren't saying white boys as in white boys. They called them the white boys because of their white jerseys, because of the home whites. And now these foreigners, they don't give a shit where we're from, are tearing it down in front of them. So there's a, um, there's a thing in the military that we called E&E, escape and evasion. That's when you get compromised by the enemy and it's time to go, time to figure out how you can live. I'll shorten that down to when we tore down the white boy sign and we, the, you could hear the record screech and everyone staring at us. And they did not like us at this point. It turned it from E&E to, we need to get the fuck out of here. So everyone's running. Some people are fighting. We're just trying to get away. We can't explain to them that we didn't know what the hell we're doing. We're just ugly Americans, which I think pissed some of them off a little bit more. Uh, you know, a couple bumps and bruises. One guy had to scale the wall. I guess he climbed out of the damn thing. I think it was our platoon chief that made it that way. He, he, he ended up by himself. So he didn't have his swim buddy. So if he was on the inversion table, man, that would have been even uglier. We all lived. But that was a Croatian Cup, and we had. I actually talked to McTeams yesterday. We have an affinity in our heart, and our hearts for Croatia just because of that experience, even though they didn't really want us to live. But that was that platoon, SEAL Team Four. You're right, uh, and and that was a good group of guys too. I'm going to get some of them. I st- I'm still in touch with a lot of those dudes. I talked to McTeams yesterday, like I said, uh, because we were talking about Croatia. We really wanted Croatia to win. But that group of dudes, I'm going to back up and tell a story because people want to know about training stories. Here's a, here's a training story from uh, SEAL Team 4. I, I have been known – well, I have been known. My wife calls me the luckiest unlucky man in the world. The whole um, you're going to trip over your dick but land in a pot of gold type guy, step in a, diamond, find, step in a pile of shit, find a diamond type shit. For some reason, I end up being places – and it just works out so far. I hope you know by, you know, I hope it stays that way because you know the bullet needs to be right one time. But one of our trips, one of our training trips at SEAL Team Four, was out to Nevada. So we went out to Nevada to train because Top Gun. I think well, it was definitely at Fallon, Nevada, 
and I think it's still up there. I could be wrong. Don't hate me. Don't 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 get you and all your friends in an algorithm to badmouth me and trash me because I didn't know. But we went to Fallon, Nevada, which is close to a city by the name of Reno, Nevada. And uh, we happened to be there on a Friday, and we're gonna leave town. I think Sunday, flying out of out of Reno. So we get a couple days. No, we're going to leave on Saturday. Halloween's Friday. We're going to leave on Saturday out of Reno. So we get a night in Reno. And we went up there, and on the drive up, because we're taking the vans to meet the plane in Reno, but we get a night out, so we have a hotel. The Uncle Sugar was nice enough. Thanks, taxpayers, for funding us a hotel in Reno for Halloween. And we get there, and we're like, well, it's a Halloween we don't have costumes and I'm tired of wearing my sweaty, dirty camis. I don't want to go as a soldier. What should we do? McTeams had a good idea. Let's go to Walmart and buy whatever we can find. Walmart's open and it's only, you know, 1900, if you will, or 7 p.m. for humans. We went to Walmart and we decided everyone here is just going to buy a bathrobe, some pajamas and some fluffy slippers. And we're going to go as a slumber party. And so we did, and, and I'll tell you what, and I have pictures again. I, I have a tub of pictures downstairs. The, I refer to this tub of pictures that time in my career as the global war on tourism. But we, we went out as the, as the um, slumber party and had one of the most fun nights of my life. Me and McTing hung out all night. Uh, Milligan was there. Sandy was there. A bunch of our dudes were there. We had a blast. A touch hung. And, and so McTeams has this character, another interview I'm going to have on here. He used to pretend... It's not all war and, and explosions and breaching charges in combat. There's a lot of humor involved. And I've mentioned before that when some of the darkest times bring out the best humor, some of the funniest guys have been through the hardest training. Some of the funniest guys I've met are Navy SEALs who have been through BUDS. Some of the funniest guys I've met have been through the Q Corps, Army guys. Some of the funniest dudes I've met have been um, pararescuemen in the Air Force. And you know funny guys, too, that have been through hard shit. And some of the hardest stuff is when you can look around at people and just say, well, this sucks, doesn't it? Seeing someone on that icy two-mile ocean swim at SEAL Team 2 on a Tuesday morning, just seeing your fat, your buddy that looks fat because his fat face is being rolled up by the, 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 the hoodie he's wearing in, the, in Mother Ocean. But uh, McBee used to bring out a character that he would call Dwight D. Culpepper. Now, Dwight D. Culpepper was... A uh, an evangelical Southern preacher that you hear that you hear on TV, the one that you know God's omnipotent, God can do everything, but we just can't handle the checkbook. So send money type guy, the uh, the the preacher that's all about God, but somehow he can squeeze six Ferraris into his garage at his twenty million dollar mansion that he lives in with his wife and mistresses and whatnot. Anyway, Dwight D. Culpepper would come out. I I really can't do the impression, but he would say stuff like. Hey, this is Dwight D. Culpepper coming at you live from Serbia or whatever. And he would just and he would give us a, a speech and he would preach to us in the in the vans that were driving somewhere. Just to, you know, as opposed to having a van brawl where you all fight each other. Dwight D. Culpepper would come out and give a sermon. And he would just go off the cuff. I'm sure he, you know, he studied a, a bit beforehand, but Dwight D. Culpepper would do that. So um he that's kind of his thing, and I'll, I'll get him on here. We'll hopefully get a sermon soon. I want to start interviews at the first of the year. But we finish our night in Reno, a lot of fun, just a blast, and we get on a, a C-130. And so a C-130 is a cargo aircraft the Air Force has, and it, it doesn't have necessarily seats in the back. It has these red nets that you sit in, and you sit there. They're not comfortable, and you stare at each other. Hopefully this plane can get to altitude, so maybe you can unroll a ground pad and a sleeping bag and sleep it off. And we're going to fly a C-130 from, from Reno to um, – 
to Virginia Beach, which you know we are going. Even though you're going with the 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 jet stream, it's a long flight. C one thirty. They're not known for being warm, and there is no flight attendant to give you cocktails. They just kind of suck. But hopefully, you brought something with you. So we're on this thing, and we take off from Reno, and then for some reason we had to land in uh, Vegas. I don't know what the hell they're doing. There's an Air Force base there. There's an Air Force base there in Vegas where they run like the Predator drones. And uh, the predators would bomb people in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then those predator pilots would claim PTSD because even though it's a video game, we were killing people, and it it really hurts my uh, soul. So I need PTSD and 100% disability, which is fine if it really bothers you because you are killing people. But I think maybe you just had a long night at the craft stable <laughs> looking for a little downtime. But we land at the Air Force Base there, and um, uh, you know, obviously the plane breaks, which which I love. Uh, sometimes th- with the Air Force, if you're in a good place, the plane might just break for twenty eight or sorry twenty four forty eight hours, which it happened to do. Uh, so it breaks there. Now we're we're stuck in Vegas for forty eight hours. So that means and and obviously the barracks were full. So we got to get hotels in Vegas. So once again, the taxpayers are going to fund a little another night out. So we're still hung over from Reno, and me being the luckiest unlucky man in the world, I get us to, well, I didn't get us to Vegas. I just happened to be there when the team got to Vegas. And now we're in a school bus, and we're going to Vegas. So last night was Friday, Halloween. Today is Saturday, but it's still Saturday, and it's still Vegas. It really doesn't matter. There's no clocks in Vegas because uh, you, anything can happen at any time. So we're a touch hungover. People are popping Tylenol. We're driving to the hotel, and we know what's going to happen. Like, this is the calm before the storm, right? Uh, we know something big's about to go down, and, and we're in a bus. It's it's quiet. And all of a sudden, you hear from the back, Dwight D. Culpepper. All right, listen up, gents. This is Dwight D. Culpepper coming at you live on the way to Las Vegas. Last night, you were able to party with some demons, but tonight, you're about to dance with the devil himself. <laughs> oh, then Vegas. Every episode we talk about preparation. I mentioned this too. The last report, the household income is dropping. Last report said over $6 trillion dropped in the second quarter this year. That's the most on record. Preparation. Were you ready? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold or silver or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your door. I have been all over the planet and there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844 844- Seven nine zero nine one nine one. That's eight four four seven nine zero nine one nine one. We cannot control this administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com. Or give them a call at eight four four seven nine zero nine one nine one. So that is our story. One of our stories from SEAL Team Four Bravo Platoon. Las Vegas, Reno, Top Gun in Fallon, Nevada, and then eventually Croatia in the Croatian Cup. Croatia was in the World Cup in the semifinals yesterday. They lost to Argentina, which is a 
just a rich soccer or football, if you will, country history. They've won two World Cups. They're looking to win their third, which they could. And you might have noticed I mentioned, I either said they were going to win this World Cup or they were favored, but I did mention Argentina. Very rich soccer history. There's a um, one of their players. So Lionel Messi is a is a, there's obviously the best player on the team right now. They're saying the best player in the world right now. They're, I don't have a dog in the fight to make an argument of who's the best in the world. But he's very very good. I've never met the guy. He strikes me as kind of a little weasel type guy. Like he, I shouldn't say weasel. He just he seems like a guy that you know he's gonna he's gonna score, but then rub it in your face with the realization that nothing can happen. But he was born in Argentina. And then they like moved him. He was so good as a prodigy, they moved him up to Spain, and he's been rolling there through the whatever the pipeline is to get to become a professional player in Spain, which obviously great uh, soccer, great football there. Um, but he's like the best in the world. Got him to the World Cup final, and it, it's 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 look it, it's interesting to look back at the history of this. There's a, the, the player that I think was the best ever was Diego Maradona, and he was famous for a goal called the hand of god when they were playing in the world cup against england and um there's no love lost between england between the united kingdom and argentina because in 1982 after some political strife and some bloodshed a lot of stuff we can't get into now in the 70s um, some dictators took over, some corrupt politicians, if you can imagine seeing that, took over Argentina. They eventually invaded the Falkland Islands, and the Falkland War started. Uh, the Falkland Islands, they're, they're in the South, South Atlantic. They're, they were British-dependent territories. Argentina invaded. There was a bloody war that, um, in, this is in 1982, a bloody war took place. It was 10 days. Uh, the United Kingdom took them back. So, Argentina and England and the UK, no love lost. But they're playing each other in in um, in 1986 in the World Cup, and Diego Maradona had a, a shot called the Hand of God. And I'm looking at it right now where he scored a goal. Argentina ended up winning 2-1. to one. And if you look at this, it, they didn't have the kind of technology they have today. You can see the keeper from... England and Diego Maradona, somehow there was not an offsides call because somebody from England had hit the ball, whatever the way it works, and Maradona and the keeper going after the ball, and they're both going up. The keeper can use his hands, but Maradona can't, and you can see his hand come up, and it, he like almost tips the ball from his hand off his head and scores the hand of God goal, and they, re, they redo that. Um, they talk about the hand of God. Like if, if you, I don't think you're going to get away with using your hands like that anymore because of the technology. You should see that crap, but... The hand of God goal, Diego Maradona, it was just a, an incredible goal, incredibly corrupt, but Diego didn't really care because uh, the the war several years prior, they're still pissed about that. He's not going to admit anything. Yeah, I guess it was so bad that when Maradona hit the ball, like he's, he's sort of celebrating, but he's kind of looking at the ref, and the ref calls it a goal, and he celebrated, and later in the um, – later in the uh, – like the press interview, they asked him about it, and he goes – well, it was part of my head, but also the hand of God. So Argentina is in the final. I think it's great. Um, the The Falklands War, though, that's why that's when you know a lot of war down there. Argentina is a really cool place. I've never been. 
it's it's an inverted triangle shaped country at the bottom of South America. The Falcons are off of that, but I guess the size of the place is is a greater landmass than the country of Mexico and the state of Texas, which are both, you know, not to get all technological, fucking big. So that's a kick-ass place. The uh, the Andes are down there, Patagonia. I guess the wine's really good. The the people speak all kinds of different languages, everything from Arabic to English to Spanish. Um, it was ruled by Spain, and then and then um, I guess you know just a rich culture. Great people. I do want to check it out because of the food and whatnot. There, I, there's actually an there w- during the lockdown, during the pandemic, I got to try food from Argentina, not because I went there, but because there was a uh, the patriarch of a family, probably in his early seventies, that was you know he's cooking in the house. He's a retired guy, but he started cooking for his family. Then he started cooking for his neighbors, and his neighbors liked it. And so many people liked it and wanted it from him that. He started charging. Then he opened a damn restaurant, and I started eating their their food. I had a um, an Argentinian steak sandwich, which is one of the best steaks I've ever had. It's like gourmet ribeye on a big roll, tastes delicious, and it's very enjoyable for the first few hours. Very salty, and then you're just full. It's completely awesome. But yeah, he opened an, an Argentina restaurant near where I used to live, and. Uh, Anyway, I'm looking for places to go. I always want to go there. I always want to get to new places. That's kind of a kind of a cool place. I, 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 the history there is incredible too. Like I was mentioning, the different languages and stuff that are that are spoke there. You'll see Buenos Aires, the capital, and a lot of gangster movies like uh, like Casino. We're gonna escape to Buenos Aires, and then they get capped down there in some pretty bloody scenes. Um, it was also a spot where a lot of officers from Nazi Germany went, and these are real Nazis, not the kind that they call you on Twitter simply because you think you need an ID to vote. But real Nazis, after after the fall of the Third Reich, they went to South America, Brazil, Ecuador, places like that. But I guess the most um, common place for these Nazis to go was Argentina. And they're famous for that. And they, you know, a lot of, you know, there's all the conspiracy theories, which at this point in my life, I believe a lot of conspiracy theories. But a lot of them went there. One of them, and this is a true story, a guy by the name of Ricardo Clement was living there, and he got rolled up in May of 1960 by some badass black ops dudes. I wasn't there, 1960, you know what I'm saying? But he got rolled up, and it turns out it wasn't Ricardo Clement. It was Adolf Eichmann, and he's very famous for masterminding the movement of a lot of Jewish people during the Holocaust. And not a good guy. They rolled him up, they found him, they brought him to Israel. And it was they interrogated him every day, but they didn't need to, just based on the photographic and audio evidence of this dude. What an asshole. What a complete, the face of evil. This guy's demonic, what he was doing to people. And he never needed, um, he, they never needed a trial, but like I said, 3,500 pages of interrogation or whatever. They, you know, he, they convicted him to execution. He appealed. The appeal didn't last long, and they, they hung him. But I, here's, here's a guy. He never admitted guilt. He never admitted doing anything wrong, complete sociopath, and saying the common shit. You know, well, I was just following orders, admitting that I'm not a good leader. I'm just doing what I'm told, which is complete bullshit, because if good men stand around and do nothing, that's where the problems come in. He's And he, you know. Don't, whatever, he's in hell right now. But what what he said, here's what tells you the way this guy thinks. Adolf Eichmann, his last words before he died, he said, 
Long live Germany, long live Argentina, long live Austria. These are the three countries with which I have been most connected and which I will never forget. I greet my wife, my family, and my friends. I am ready. We'll meet again soon, as is the fate of all men. I die believing in God. Well, I hope you believe in God, motherfucker, because uh, you also believe in the devil and you're with him right now. So, um, not, you know, I'm not, nothing, I'm not pinning anything on Argentina. I'm just saying because of the World Cup and because I'm watching it. I, I did some history, fascinating history. Um, fascinating people, uh, wonderful food. I, I, uh, my first encounter with um, people from Argentina was I gave a speech in Miami to, to um, a company based out of South America, the majority of whom were from Argentina, but the CEO was from Brazil. Now, I didn't know much about football at the time and not you know the realization that it is a it is a religion down there like you don't you don't mess around with it like it's not uncommon i'm not saying argentina i'm saying south america like if you make a shady call as a as a referee eh, there's been hits on you people have been you know players kidnapped so i'm giving a speech i'm new to the speaking circuit i'm talking two months out of the navy and i'm giving a speech in miami at the ritz carlton and the ceo of this company from south america who's from brazil everyone else is from argentina he said Hey, man, do me a favor. Open with a joke where you say something about football in Brazil being better than Argentina, and that'll be hilarious for everyone. I'm like, that sounds great. I'll think of something quickly. And then I get up there. I'm giving my speech to this crowd of mainly people from Argentina and the one Brazilian who's from, who's the CEO of the company. So I got up there and I said, hey, my name's Robert J. O'Neill, and I'm here to tell you some stuff about leadership and team building. And um, I'm trying to think of a way to relate to you because I'm a high, uh, I was from a high-performance team as a Navy SEAL. I don't know, um, you know what you do. I'm not going to tell you how to do your work, but I'll, I'll describe it to you in terms that maybe you can. I'm going to talk in terms of soccer. And, and that right off the bat tells you I don't know much about it because you don't, call, you don't call it soccer, you call it football. The only thing I know about football in South America is that Brazil always beats Argentina. Yeah, so that, that went over like a fart in church. That was not good. And that was the first speech where I really got bad, bad reviews. So don't mess with soccer. South American football, World Cup, Croatia, a little bit of travels here and there. Just interesting stuff. When I go through my pictures, like I mentioned, that I have uh, a picture, a thousand words, that whole nonsense. A lot of stuff comes back, and it's interesting. And these are the things that I continue to want to talk about. Like I said, I can't tell war stories every single time. I mean, I can. But they might be the same. And I will get into interviews. And uh, that's going to be a really good time. There's all kinds of people that I do want to interview. It's going to be good. And like I said, check out the social media that I have and, and tell me who you want to hear from. I have got a couple ideas. I got a, I got a few ideas for uh, episode, the first few interviews that I do. Wonderful guys um, that have great stories. And it'll be, it'll be a relief. I don't need to, you don't need to hear me talk anymore. Um, but yeah, so South America, we talked about the size of Mexico and Texas. I'm, I, I do want to talk about uh, what's going on at the border. Right now, obviously, that the whole debacle where, you know, politicians are just going to tell you what they need to get reelected. And if you can't see it, it ain't there. And we're at a point right now where I'm not going to get into it, but certain things are happening with certain political decisions and certain executive decisions that are making more and more people come through the through our southern border where they think to a point we're going to get to about um, 14,000 people a day. Five million people a year, illegals coming to this country, which is an invasion. And it's not just people from South America. You're getting people from every country coming in, which is very, very dangerous because it's one of those um, 
something bad hasn't happened yet, so that means it won't, where a lot of Democrats are just loving to see people come in because it means more votes. Uh, and it means an argument. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that today, but like we're, we're there are guys coming in. They, they rolled up a dude from Afghanistan that we like that we trained at, he was like an interpreter and a soldier, and they just rolled him up on the border of Afghanistan. Now, when we're mentioned how many thousands of people are coming through a day unchecked, no one finds them. I found it kind of kooky that one of the guys they roll up is a military commando that we trained. It's like we got these unaccompanied minors who can roll through untouched, and the guy we trained gets caught. Like, how well did we train him? Which brings you back to... Uh, how we lost Afghanistan and everyone's saying, yeah, there's no way we can lose to the Taliban because we're training these guys and they're going to stand and fight. No, they're not. We, one of our best guys got rolled up on the border of South America, which, which, which brings up so many points to talk about. It's like, how, how well were we training them? Not that well, apparently. And this guy gets rolled up. Um, so that brings a lot to talk about, too. I'm gonna, in future episodes, I want to get back into the training of Afghan and how complex the country of Afghanistan is. And it's not just – it's everything from – how long they've been at war since before the Soviet invasion, since our invasion, since and just the political sensitivities of uh, putting yourself in their shoes as another vessel, um, even though we have different cultures, maybe understand that you coming in with that $10,000 worth of gear in the Oakleys th- without a beard that you might be a stormtrooper, you know, even though they haven't seen Star Wars, George Lucas came up with that <laughs> to be the bad guy. Um uh, everything from from the histories of Afghanistan to the warlords to how to deal with them to funny stories of training those guys and uh, as opposed to training and doing jumping jacks just the spray and pray which are great not great but just ridiculous stories of uh, uh, an hour long gunfight with everyone full auto no one gets hurt and everyone walks home type shit uh, the you know the the um, how we got into the the wars with drugs the war on drugs over there where without taking a second to realize that. Afghanistan produces 90% of the opium in the world. Maybe a lot of people are are relying on that to feed their families, and maybe if we start burning it, they might become Taliban. So there's just, a, you know, again, these are, these are future subjects we're going to talk about, and I do want to hear about it. Let me know what we're going to talk about because you will be listening to my pretty voice for the next few episodes. Um, but it's, it's again, about uh, how to get good at something. Do it a thousand times. Um, tactics, effective communication. Effective communication, repeat, repeat, talk to each other again, be into a room, don't be afraid to talk to each other. Don't be afraid to have effective communications, think outside the box, and you're never out of the fight. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.